Hey Manny, what are you having for lunch? I don't know. I had a savory waffle from Bites and Bowls for breakfast. It was so satisfying. Yeah, I heard they have great food at Bites and Bowls. I'm gonna order a sandwich and a salad from there. Great, order me a smoothie, please. Of course. Whether you're looking for breakfast or lunch, come to Bites and Bowls, a fun Latin-owned eatery in East Springdale. Hey everybody, and we're back on the District 3 Podcast. This is actually episode 104. Manny's not with me here today, but I'm going to be doing this episode by myself. But I'm joined by two great friends, so I shouldn't feel so lonely today. Um, I have, from the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition, co-founder Sarah Moore, and advocate slash lawyer Madeline Porta. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I think a lot of the work that y'all are doing is super important, and uh, maybe a lot of people outside of, of Fayetteville haven't really heard about it, specifically people in Springdale. So I think it's important that y'all are here. Um, can y'all talk just a little bit in general about what Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition is and uh, what's some of the work that y'all are doing? Well, um, Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition came into being um, whenever in January 2019, Sheriff uh, Tim Helder came to the Corn Court, which is our body in the county that oversees the business of Washington County, and asked for them to go to taxpayers and double the size of the Washington County Detention Center. Um, today it has 710 beds, and so he was looking at about a 1,400 um, to the tune of $38 million. Mm. Additionally, he wanted another quarter cent sales tax for operations and maintenance ongoing. Um, and so there was no sophisticated study that had been done. There was um, no full assessment of the justice system. And so um, many of the community members started working with our um, corn court members and uh, asked a lot of questions to the point that we actually stopped that expansion at the time. When we looked at the population back in 2019, we noticed there were just a lot of uh, our poor community members, um, two-thirds of the population was there accused of a crime, but they actually were not convicted. And about two-thirds of that pretrial population um, was there on drug charges. So um, we, we kind of got to work from there. The Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition um, ultimately is working to end mass incarceration um, and looking at um, abolishing and uh, rebuilding together uh, systems that are healing and rehabilitative and that uplift our communities together and we believe every Arkansan should have the same opportunity. And um, so you are one of the co-founders and you mentioned that there's probably like 12, right? <laughs> we, <laughs> we had a, yes, we had a hodgepodge. Madeline was there, Madeline Porter was there, um, John Comstock, there were a lot of us. Um, retirees, there were clergy, um, philanthropist. Um, I'm a, I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, um, taking care of young children. Um, a lot of attorneys, uh, educators, lots of different backgrounds had an interest for this because um, they, they saw that this wasn't the way forward and that there had to be a better way. One of the great things I think about the coalition as well is that um, there are a lot of people that haven't necessarily ha been involved in local politics um, prior to this. So it's been a process of learning together, all of us, teaching, learning, and just really growing as a community to see how we can kind of 
mobilize our power as community members and our voices, especially folks that um, don't always have the opportunity to be heard, don't always um, get to sit down in front of a microphone. And so that's one of the main things that we're really trying to focus on as well is, is mobilizing together as a community, especially people um, that may not have been doing this work before. Um, if that's you, you're not alone. Um, you know, you're very, very welcome to join us. We're learning together and we're doing the work. And where are y'all uh, focusing your work at? Like what, like a specific county, a specific part of Arkansas, where at? Well, well while a lot of our um, volunteers are based in Washington County, we actually have members in Benton County and we have partnerships across the state. So we're across Northwest Arkansas partnering between Sebastian, Madison, Benton counties um, in Washington County. And then we're also working on especially legislative um, uh, collaboration work across the state with other partners for from about eight to ten uh, organizations that are doing this work, getting ready for next session. So would you say that this, and I think you, you might have mentioned this at the beginning, that this organization kind of rooted from specifically like to combat the gel expansion, <laughs> right? That's kind of where, where it came from. Is it expanding beyond that at the moment besides the gel expansion? And is there anything else that y'all are working at, working on at the moment? Absolutely. Um, kind of like Madeline alluded to, you know, a lot of folks weren't maybe um, hadn't been involved in things and at the time, you know, banded together because we just thought, you know, this is, wasn't the best solution to gel more of our neighbors and our friends and family. But it's become a longer term, um, a longer term commitment for many of us and, and we're bringing on new folks all the time. Um, we're looking at alternatives to incarceration and policing. We're looking at how do we, we uh, create better uh, education systems um, for youth and the, the uh, prison or the school to prison pipeline. Um, we are looking at ways that we can um, have mobile crisis teams in our communities. You don't always have to have someone with a hard uniform and a, a gun responding when somebody's in a mental health episode. Um, we're looking at homeless response teams to really get to know folks. We're, we're talking with groups across the nation that are already doing some of this work that are specialized clinicians that are going out and, and working with folks that are high utilizers of ERs and of the police and fire department and the different services um, to see about how we do wraparound services with them. So we, we've kind of um, gone into many different areas and I touched on, you know, a lot of times when we, we would get into a room and, and I want to encourage people that are listening today, you know, we were nervous to go into some of those rooms. We didn't know everything from the very beginning, but I want you to know, like, those are your spaces. I mean, you're all community members, you're taxpayers, mm -hmm. and you should be enfranchised in those spaces. Those um, open meetings are yours. Um, you, those are your elected officials. You can get meetings. You can sit down with them and tell them, you know, those things that you need to have happen in your, your community. And ultimately, we, we believe that the community should be determining how we want to be kept safe. Um, for so long, especially if you look in the city of Fayetteville, our population over the last 20 years has increased by double digits, but our policing budget has increased by three digits. So um, it's been a disproportionate amount of resources that have gone, gone into actually policing our communities. But at the end of the day, those dollars are not helping to keep us safer. What, yeah. What's happening is that, unfortunately, as you have more people, if it's, I think there's the saying, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so if you have a gel bed or if you have a place on a beat looking for something that's, does, that doesn't look right, then they're going to look and they're going to locate it. And so what we'd like to see is spending the money towards people looking for where folks actually need resources and then getting them to those appropriate resources. 
And Sarah, is that kind of how you, because I know that you know so many of these officials now in Washington County. I feel like every meeting that we go to, you're talking to someone. Is that kind of how you started just putting yourself out there? Or was there something specific where you kind of started building these relationships and getting to know all these different officials in Washington County? Absolutely. Um, I will say I um, I am a, you can't maybe see me depending on where you're listening to me, but I am, I'm a white lady and my, I'm 40. And um, so I have some privilege with that. And so I definitely did use that to my advantage, but um, kind of like what Madeline alluded to earlier about you can start, anybody can start um, into this work and start to get a meeting. And I would encourage if folks are interested um, to come uh, be a part with our coalition. We'd love to actually um, invite you to go sit down with us um, in those meetings and introduce you to those folks if you feel uncomfortable. Um, but yes, I mean, at the very beginning, um, I definitely um, didn't know. I, I'm not an attorney. I did not go to law school. Um, I myself have had family members that have entangled with the criminal system, um, unfortunately due to mental illness. And so I saw it from that perspective, but I didn't have the um, I didn't have the complex um, thinking around. I didn't know all the complexities of everything. I didn't know all the players. I didn't know why things happened. I didn't know. Um, the letter of the law for everything. I just knew it didn't make sense. And yeah. so what I really did and I encouraged people to do is just ask questions. I mean, it's never not okay. I mean, it's okay to just ask questions. It's, it's to ask and, and, and wonder why something is the way it is because that's how you gain better understanding. And then we can all sometimes find out that maybe we all have the same question. And I think that's sure. what kept coming up is that several of us not regardless of what our party affiliation was, and we're a nonpartisan organization, but we were talking to Democrats, we were talking to Republicans, and no matter who we were speaking with, we were having very, um, coming back to some of these common questions about, you know, why are we still doing it this way? Why aren't we doing it differently? So um, sometimes in those questions and having those kind of like uncomfortable conversations of like, why are we doing it this way? Um, we, we come up with maybe a, a better solution or at least something that we know that we can work on together. So let's talk about 2019. Um, the uh, the sheriff's office wanted the jail to be expanded. Um, why did that fail in 2019? Like, what was the reason for it failing? Well, I think a lot of it had to do with communities standing up um, and and challenging it and saying, "Wait a minute." Um, I think it's really easy for these issues for to be siloed um, in these conversations where we think about the criminal legal system as separate from the education system, as separate from the health system. And what we know and what we're learning all the time is that these systems are not separate from each other. Um, when we're talking about justice reform, we're talking about healthcare. Uh, we're Absolutely. talking about education. We're talking about basic needs of our community members being met. Affordable housing. I mean, it's all a part of it. Right, right. Some basic security and stability for our friends, our neighbors, our community, our loved ones um, that can really head off people's involvement in the criminal legal system from the beginning. Um, so I think those nuanced conversations weren't happening amongst the quorum court um, and amongst, uh, yeah, you know, the legislative body uh, and, and the sheriff. And so by community members standing up and saying, hey, 
how many folks are in the jail because you know they're struggling with addiction issues how many at the same time that we're suing pharmaceutical companies um and saying you know their practices have led to people being victimized and becoming addicted and then we criminalize those people um so how many people are in the jail that are that are struggling with mental illness and what mental illness what mental health services are available in the jail. We all know, and I think everyone has recognized that jails are not places for people to get real mental health services. So if that's not the place, and the reason that somebody's in the jail is because they're struggling with mental health issues, then we need to start talking about where we can go, where folks can go that actually promote their own well-being. And promoting everyone's well-being actually creates safer communities for all of us. I think that's so crazy, right? The fact that like we know we know the problems that people have, the issues that people have, um, and instead of solving their their issues, their problems, we we try to create a bigger problem by creating wanting to create a bigger jail, right? It's like no, we're not gonna look into like whatever addiction you might have, whatever mental illness you might have. We're just gonna make the place bigger so we can fit more of you all here. Right, and it seems like the quote-unquote easy solution um, because it gets people out of our faces. You know, when somebody is locked up inside of a cage in a jail, we don't have to look at them. We don't have to think about them. As opposed to when somebody is going through outpatient drug services, drug treatment services, we need to work together and come as a community together around people who are struggling. It does take a little bit of extra work, but the payoff in community safety, community stability is so much more worth For it. For every dollar that you put uh, put into drug treatment, you actually get seven back in your local economy. So, I mean, these things too, if, if the, the human side of it and, and helping individuals isn't your motivator, um, everyone wants to make sure that they're making a, an efficient spend and that you're being responsible with your dollars. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 better return on investment for your county to actually invest in these types of programs. And the other thing I want to say that I've heard some folks talking about to touch on is that um, you know some folks I will applaud have tried to think about now if we do something in the jail, what if we offer the service in the jail? And we have mental health beds and they were in the jail. And the thing I want to challenge is just like we've heard before, we can't like gel our way out of this or, you know, yeah. every gel bed we have, we're going to fill. Um, with mental health, one of the, some, a lot of health systems won't even dive into behavioral health services because they're so expensive. Mm-hmm. And so I really want to caution, um, because there are rescue monies that are coming from the federal treasury right now, um, some folks are saying, well, if we do this expansion, we'll really help people that are struggling with mental health. And and my response to them, and, and for community members that have family members like this, while while you're grasping and you're wanting every resource available to push back. Um, because at the end of the day, do you, does your loved one need to get criminalized before they're actually offered the life-saving health care that they deserve? Yeah. That life-saving health uh, care should be available out in the community. You shouldn't be reliant on the court system. Mental health court is incredible of once someone's entangled and, and criminalized because of their mental health, giving them a way out and giving them hope for getting health care that they haven't uh, keyed into, but making long-lasting investments and turning jails, like there are jails across the country that provide the most mental health treatment in the jail and they're in the entire state mm-hmm. um, in some areas, that is not a sustainable solution. Um, folks do not need to end up in the criminal system to, to get their treatment. And then also going back to the budgetary side, 
there is no way that counties can sustain that and can afford that over time because mental health care is is an expensive business to be yeah. in. So I would caution, while that can sound good to some families who are struggling and wanting something for their for their um, their family, for you know, maybe it's their husband or it's a cousin. Um, at the end of the day, we need to be taken care of an American rescue money that's coming into our county and other counties across the state. Um, it specifically talks about um, funneling money towards behavioral health gaps that are in our communities. And we know they're there, and 23 million in Washington County could do a lot. The crisis stabilization unit um, that, that opened its doors um, in Washington County two years ago cost a little over a million dollars a year mm. to take folks voluntarily that need to have an, a little bit of an adjustment to get get right back on track they know that they're not doing that they're not doing well um, and they need to get stabilized and they could walk in the door um, the crisis stabilization unit in Washington County and it serves serves several counties around us it closed its doors at the end of June um, so for a little over a million dollars uh, a year uh, we have not saw for and could with the rescue monies for that mm. 23 million we're looking at and we're talking about potentially expanding a jail for 20 million dollars when we can be offering life-saving health care yeah. for a million and that's that's really interesting because I was having a conversation with Myra earlier today uh, just kind of discussing uh, the title of being pro-life and how kind of the same way as as creating a bigger jails like what people think as like the easy solution a lot of the times I feel like people will say that they're pro-life because that's easy, right? You can literally say, I'm pro-life, and as long as someone's born and they don't have to be unborn anymore, you don't have to worry about them anymore. But what happens to the folks that are homeless, you know, the folks that are having mental illnesses that have addictions? It's like, at that point, like, the pro-life people are kind of like, you know, it's not our problem. And I kind of see it the same way as what we're talking about with, with the jail. It's like we're not trying to focus on, and I know we've, we've I've already mentioned this already, right, but... Uh, we need to keep on repeating it to people so that they understand that that a bigger jail, more incarceration is not the solution. Even though sometimes people that come out of jail, you know, will say like, "I needed to be in there for 25." No, you didn't. <laughs> you needed you needed mental health well, we've, care. We've, we've bought into you know? it, Irvin. It's yeah. because unfortunately there's not been the solution available in our in our communities. So we've bought into this lie that's been fed to us that just because we're in jail and we've been kept from from dying. But that's that's as good as it gets for us. Like that, that's it. Yeah. But the truth is, is there's so much more. People's lives can be so much better. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be that they're criminalized when they're again. You could be preventing the fact that there's any criminalization because someone can get the intensive outpatient services they need. They could have a crisis stabilization unit. So whenever they know that their med is not quite being effective and they feel something coming on, they can go get get checked out. So um, I think it. It's hard whenever that's been a long-term solution because in the 60s we quit institutionalizing folks and so there's been no uh, big uptick in what resources are available in communities across the country and so jail has been the catch-all and so now for you know basically two generations we've seen jail being the catch-all for all our societal um, uh, not problems but but catch-all just everything that that's happening in society and so um, I think that unfortunately when you don't think there's anything else as an option, you might hear, hear people say, yeah. you know, say that, that jail is, is it. Um, it doesn't much, have to be. How much does it uh, cost taxpayers for like another person to be at the Washington County Jail? $25,000 a year to house, clothe, and feed an individual in the Washington County Detention Center. 
that money, kind of like we were talking about for the crisis stabilization unit, you can spend that money much more efficiently in the community. $25,000, if you just handed that over to a person, you could you could get them out of poverty. I mean, you could, you could be putting a down payment on a house for $25,000. Just think of the things, if you yourself were given $25,000, how life-altering and life-changing that could be for you and your family. We've seen how like stimulus money can make such a Correct. big difference in people's yeah. lives, right? And imagine twenty five thousand dollars like that's that's so crazy. Um, so how long was the uh, stabilization unit active before it goes down uh, earlier this year? It was active for two years, and it has um, ten beds. Um, but again, it's voluntary, and so especially for individuals that um, uh, are having to face you know you know paranoia or. You know, they're constantly uh, working to build trust with a provider. Uh, those types of facilities, when they're, they're voluntary, they're unlocked. The folks know that when they come in, that community member can leave at their own will when they feel comfortable to leave. Um, that's, that's in total contrast to acute care, which is the other alternative we have in our communities, where you get admitted, you're under the discretion of the doctor. If the doctor thinks that you're a danger to yourself, you know, you may end up being held for 72 hours and you could potentially be asked to take take meds that you may or may not want to. So that a lot of times is a barrier for folks going to get care, knowing that they could end up in a locked down situation. And so that can cause a bigger spiral for folks that are um, struggling with their mental health. So an unlocked voluntary place, whenever you feel like you're just slightly um, not, not feeling right with your current meds, or you haven't been sleeping, or you've had um, something in your life that's um, happen that's really hard to deal with knowing that you can go get your hands on immediate care and then leave when you feel it, it's appropriate that's important in our community so that more people will seek out, out care so I know that there's referrals that would go out from the jail to the stabilization unit um, but I'm guessing the majority of them are just community referrals people just calling in family member that's not feeling good uh, mentally and uh, they just go through the process of being I think they do some sort of like assessment right at the beginning mm -hmm. and then to see if you're able to go there and then. Well, and that was the neat thing, Irvin, is that, um, you know, in the two years that started, it was a pilot for us in the state of Arkansas. You know, there's only a handful of these across the state. And so it was it was a work in progress. You know, we were learning as we went originally in the in the, the main point of how it was open was to be a alternative to for police so that they can divert folks to the, the building. Um, that's not a jail and so that they can get treatment and so that takes time you know no one no one changes overnight how they they interact with someone um, so that was taking culture change that was taking training um, officers were getting crisis intervention training so that they could spot the signs they could understand the, the right questions to ask and the kind of demeanor a person would have that maybe would qualify for that but what what was beautiful about the crisis stabilization unit is that it decided that it wanted to meet all the needs of the community and so um, it did take community referrals and it also really supported our community health partners and was getting a lot of clinics in the area were actually sending their clients because again those folks didn't want to go into acute care being locked behind a door but they wanted to come in and do a check-in and so what's what's a uh, neat about uh, what those types of facilities can be is we've actually gone to Oklahoma City and there are other places in the nation that have additional add-ons to this. There are things like a sobering center. So if you get overserved on Dixon Street um, or you're down in downtown Bentonville enjoying a drink, you know, you could actually, instead of having to go to jail because you get, you know, you over drank or, or you, you had a little too much of something, you could actually go there instead of being criminalized. Additionally, 
um, many of these facilities have um, emergency uh, departments where you can just walk in just like an ER for, for your mental health and you can just step in there and get a quick assessment as well. So there's a, there's a lot of additional things that uh, we could add on in our uh, community that would be covered by these American Rescue Monies coming from the federal treasury that again say use these for behavioral health needs that you have in your community that we know have really been um, uh, amped up because of the pandemic and because of all these um, hard times that people have gone through between quarantine, losing jobs, uh, you know, losing homes, uh, losing loved ones. It's yeah. been a very, very trying time, and, and our communities are on fire right now. Um, uh, children are um, feeling the trauma. Uh, adults are feeling the trauma, and so we need these resources. So I do want to touch more on the uh, $46 million on the American Rescue Money, but first, uh, going back to the CSU, uh, it's currently inactive, right? Correct. Um, so is there any, any plans on that? Has there been any news or anything as to, like, if it's going to be reopened or if the county's looking into possibly getting funds from somewhere else to make it active again? From what I understand from uh, County Judge uh, Wood, he is ultimately the person that does a contract with a provider. And so what I understand is that he is looking for a provider to come into the facility. And so um, I would encourage folks to reach out to him and tell them how much that's important um, to them and to their loved ones so that he can know how much that's something that we need We need open soon. Okay. And, uh, okay, so moving to 2021, um, there's this $46 million of the American Rescue Money. And can you can you all elaborate a little bit? I know that funds were moved to like a general fund, right? And that makes it a little bit more complicated to track. Can you all expand a little bit about that on what's happening right now with this money that's kind of in the air at the moment in Washington County? Sure, there's kind of, there's two pots. So there's CARES Act money and there's rescue fund money. The 46 million that's gonna be distributed over the next two years is through the American Rescue Plan. Um, for that amount of money, um, the Quorum Court has had just a few meetings at this point, this is the Washington County Quorum Court, um, to decide how to use this $46 million over two years, so $23 million each year for two years. I'm glad you, you separated that because that can be confusing, the American Rescue and the CARES, because yeah. a lot of people think it's the same. Right, right, and it was the, the CARES Act money that at the most recent meeting got moved into general funds to be used in a general way. Um, the rescue plan money, um, we haven't dug into it quite yet, but what so far the quorum court has decided to fund is $250,000 for an engineering and architectural design study for this at least $20 million jail expansion that they're proposing. And I want to make it very clear that um, at the, the most recent meetings, it came up very specifically are we talking about, you know, just the intake area within the jail, like doing some, some work inside of the jail, or are we talking about an expansion? And it was very clearly put out that, that they are talking about an expansion to adding 200 beds. And um, the, the sheriff has presented that to the quorum court, not just for the 250000 to do the study and the architectural designs, but the full 20 to 40 million. I mean, they're talking about going back to the 2019. One of the justices of the peace said, well, what about the plans from 2019? That was a $38 million jail expansion. Why don't we bring that back? And they're very enthusiastically embracing the idea of spending that money, the rescue money, 
on this jail expansion. And I really just want people to think about, you know, what that means. I think since 2019, um, when some of these conversations started, when the most recent, you know, push by the sheriff and, and some of the JPs um, to, to expand the jail uh, failed, so many things have happened in our community. We had a national organization come in and do a study of our criminal legal system and make recommendations of things that could be done uh, within our system and within our community that would directly impact and reduce the jail population. Um, almost none of those have been implemented. I was gonna ask, no one really listened to that report, right? Well, not they've, been, they've been talking about it, Irvin, but they haven't implemented anything. Nothing's been piloted. Um, one of the only things that's happened probably has been that they have uh, given a pilot of 210,000 for 10 beds to returning home as an alternative to folks who are getting a parole revocation, I'm sorry, probation revocation they can go to his program if they're approved and so that they're not actually going into full incarceration and completing it. And so that's the only thing. And the assessment that was done, the interesting thing about it is like some of it's just policy changes. They're basically just some of those recommendations from experts that are trusted by the, the players of the criminal system. It was um, one of the judges, it was, um, it's an organization that he highly respects and goes to different trainings with them. And so some of the things were as easy as just policies. If, if they decided to test doing something a little bit differently in how they did um, bail, cash bail, um, if they decided how they um, uh, treated failure to appears, people who miss court. Um, if you've missed a dental appointment, if you've forgotten to go to your doctor's appointment, you've probably gotten email reminders, you've yeah. probably gotten a phone call, you've probably gotten a text message. Um, those things have not been happening for the court dates. And court dates during the pandemic especially Oof. have been moving. <laughs> they have been moving all over the place. No one can keep up with them. But individuals are getting failure to appears and ending up in the jail and waiting for a year or more for some of their court dates on very low-level charges because they're too poor to pay a 25000 50000 or 75000 bond on failure to appear. Um, at the end of the day, these folks, their whole lives are being deteriorated. They may be losing children with their single parents especially. Jobs. They've lost jobs. They've lost their housing. Their whole life has imploded. And at the end of the day, that doesn't make our community safer. When that person exits at the end of their court case, they will most likely um, plead to some level of probation. And when they get back out in the community, their whole world is unstable. And so we know the data and research shows that that person is much more likely to end up in a criminal system situation again because their life has absolutely been uh, disrupted. So those things that came from the assessment, again, for, for zero dollars, policies can change. Some of the other things were small investments. We're talking about the potential of spending 20 to $40 million and additionally multi-millions for operating costs every single year that we don't have today. Um, and, and we're talking about some of these other investments from the assessment are as much as, I just told you, a million dollars for a crisis stabilization unit or, you know, $400,000 for a response team or, you know, they, they are comparably a much cheaper alternative to, to trying to exit people fully out of the system. People who <laughs> end up in the Washington County Detention Center from 2019, they were there nine times previously. When you look at the 2021 numbers, people in the Washington County Detention Center have been there 11 times. Mm -hmm. So from 2019 to 2021, what's happened? 
Yeah. We've done nothing differently. And because we've done nothing differently, people who have, again, had their entire worlds like we talked about implode because they got stuck in jail for a amount of time and then ended up back out. The data that we see nationally is what plays out here locally in Washington County. Those folks cannot restabilize and they end up, again, back in the system. Well, and I think it's important to note also, I mean, if going to jail deterred um, people from criminal activity, um, then people would not be going back. Okay, so we know that it is, it is proven <laughs> not to work. Um, and what we're asking for is to look at all kinds of alternatives. And these are, there are so many creative ways that this money could be spent that would really serve our communities. I'm talking housing. about housing. <laughs> I'm talking about public transportation. Absolutely. I'm talking care. about people Affordable that they can't make their court dates because they don't have uh, gas money to get from you know a rural area to the court in town and a public transportation system that served the Northwest Arkansas region would benefit all of us. Health care, behavioral health care services and addiction services really does benefit all of us um, as opposed to dumping all this money into a system that has proven itself to not work. So what's what's the feedback if there has been conversations with people from the sheriff's office? What's the feedback that you get from them when you tell them this? When you say, why not put the money here? Well, they say, let's do both. They say, yes, we believe in what you're saying, but we need this gel now, which now means 18 months to two years down the road before we're actually building a gel. So it's really not now, but they want their gel now and they say, and we'll still do some of those things. The but I also want to say one thing that they've been saying as well, which I think is really important for us to look at, is that they have been trying to frame this as, you know, some of these these people, quote unquote, are just bad, and yeah. we just can't have them out in community. And that's something that we really have to challenge. Again, we're watching people cycle in and out of this system, and we're not doing anything different in the way that we're approaching folks. That's not on them. That's on us. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, but I really yeah, wanted no, to, yeah, there's absolutely. been some dehumanizing language that's been coming out lately right. that I really think we need to be really cautious about and call out. I sometimes look at those uh, core, core meetings and I can't believe the words that are coming out of those people's mouths. I mean, there's obviously good people right in the core of the core, but there's just some people that are so disconnected. It's hard to listen to, especially when they're talking about folks that you care a lot yeah. about. I mean, they're talking yeah. about my community, you know, my loved ones, well, my brothers friends and, family. and sisters, yeah. people's sons and daughters. These are not the bottom of the barrel. These are not throwaway people. These are really yeah. our community members and our loved ones that have so much to offer to us if we could just invest a little bit in them. Well, and so what we're really asking at this time is for folks, I know it's intimidating to approach this, but is to ask folks to reach out to their elected representatives and you might have to go on voter review and kind of pull it up because you may not know which district you live in, but just tell them to pause. We want a full community conversation. These American rescue monies can be spent on many of the things we've alluded to. They can be spent for affordable housing. They can be spent on um, childcare assistance to go get a job. They can actually be um, done for uh, training to go get a job, um, education components. They can help with um, any kind of the mental health, health health care gaps. Additionally, you know, there's rental assistance out there, but it will probably be deleted, de depleted at some point. Um, we could do more rental assistance with it, but what's even more um, amazing is you can do mortgage assistance. You know, you might own your home and you might have lost your job or had to be quarantined. Mm -hmm. You might want some mortgage assistance, really. Yeah. Um, and so that's something else. And we live in a very rural community, and 
you're expected to be connected um, all the time. You know, you have to be on, uh, you know, internet access or you have a phone. Many mm -hmm. people around this community do not have that. Um, during COVID, what we found out when the courts went online um, is that we had folks having to be picked up, again, that transportation coming back in, driven to like a McDonald's parking lot and sit in a parking lot for Wi-Fi so they can attend their court date. Yeah. And so, and then you had kids trying to stay home and stay safe and be on the internet uh, for, for their schooling, but didn't necessarily have internet access. So one of the things the rescue monies can do are things like infrastructure improvements. So you could have broadband um, projects across the entire county to make sure we give, gave connectivity to, to all people in Washington County so that we leveled the playing field. Um, there's water infrastructure that can happen in our community. I mean, there's, there are large improvements that can happen that could alter us for generations to come with this money. And so for that reason, that's why we're saying let's pause. And after we've talked to the community, Benton County is doing a series of, of meetings where they're actually talking to their community. They've created a website and they're letting people apply for areas that they say, hey, this, this organization has continued to do this outreach. We're gonna need this kind of wraparound monies to do case management for folks. Or, you know, we've been doing this in the community and we'd like to extend it. And so, they're able to vet what all of the needs have been through the pandemic. The way the treasury money reads is that the most impacted folks should be the priority of these monies. And so those were our, our brown and our black community members. And so we need to elevate that too and go to those organizations and we need those folks in the conversation saying, these are the things we need to, to make our communities whole. Um, affordable housing yeah. is a huge one. You know, in Northwest Arkansas, we're always talking about housing. Um, we know that that's a, a basic human need that if it's not met, you can't really meet the other needs of the mm -hmm. individual. You really have to get folks housed. And so that's where we're trying to say, let's pause. Let's talk about all the things that can be done. And at the end of the day, if we're saying a gel at that point, then let's move forward. But we don't think that that's what the community says. And we've already started talking to the community. We've been out at farmers markets in Springdale and Fayetteville. And what we hear overwhelmingly is that people do want us to look into these other buckets. Um, no one that we've talked to is saying we need to build a gel. They're saying we need to invest in these other areas. We're going to have a community cookout um, happening. Um, Nate Walls at Secondhand uh, Smoke, he's actually going to cater for us. We're going to do a free meal. We're going to go out to five or six locations across the county um, so that you can hopefully, we're inviting your um, representative, your justice of the peace, um, but your representative for your area for the county to come out and join us. And we'll have a meal together. It's always good to have conversation and break bread together. Um, so we have There's better. one coming up this week. There it? is. Right. Wednesday? Uh, Wednesday night at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. We're going to be over on Salem Road in Fayetteville, right by the Gary Hammond uh, softball complex, okay. um, right by Holcomb. And I'd love to invite folks to come out and join us. We're, we've invited all the JPs that represent the Fayetteville areas to come join us. Some of them will be in person. Some of them will be via Zoom, and we'll put it up on a screen. But the whole thing is to talk about what can we use the money for to answer <clears> questions and for them to be able to vote um, both in person. We have little dots and we have where you can actually physically vote what you want to spend money on. And then also we've got a website called uh, www.yourcovidrelief.com. And folks can go there and electronically vote. And we're going to okay. take those tabulations back to our elected representatives. Cool. We know it's not super scientific, but, you know, we're a bunch of grassroots folks. So we're just going to at least give them um, that feedback because, you know, they haven't had that conversation as yeah. a county yet. And so we just think that at least we can we can bring that back to them, that we've gotten that feedback from community members. Which I think is super cool because, I mean, the, the people on the corn portion have kind of taken that initiative themselves to 
go out there in the community and help. We're still, kind of we're still encouraging them too. If yeah. we if if we can figure it out and if we can get Zoom working while we're in an outdoor location, then we sure hope that our IT department in Washington County could get a hybrid meeting together to mm -hmm. make us all you know be safe and have that connectivity throughout the county to have those conversations. So we welcome the county to join us in this conversation. We welcome them to spearhead more conversations. We welcome them to do cookouts and feed families. Mm -hmm. um, uh, food insecurity is very high in our county. We're a high poverty county yeah. um, in the state um, before COVID. And again, it's already only been exasperated. Um, I actually work at a, a South Fayetteville food um, pantry and our numbers from March of 2020 to now are up 650%. Um, food scarcity is, is real in our community. And so we wanna make sure that we feed families really well and we love on them and we hear what they need to get through COVID and through the pandemic. That's so good. And y'all are very active on social media. People can follow Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition on Instagram, on Facebook. Are y'all on Twitter yet? Not yet? We're present. TikTok We're maybe present. in the future. <laughs> TikTok maybe in the future. But any any other final call to action for people that are listening right now uh, in regards to supporting y'all's work? Well, your voice matters. You know, I know it can be intimidating to just show up, but just show up and, and, and tug on our shirt and say, hey, I'm here. What do I do? You know, hit us up on Facebook or, or email us or just say like how do I how do I do this or or, or you know just show up it's your space and own it um, absolutely we want to hear from you and we also want to want to have a community you know it's easier to go into these spaces that can be intimidating um, when you're with community when you're with other people um, and we want you to know that we're with you and we want to hear how you would want to spend and invest in our community with this money that we have. So we'd love to see you on Wednesday. Um, and also please reach out to us um, via social media. We'd love to hear from you. Sounds good. So Wednesday, free food mm -hmm. at what time? 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. On Salem Road. Salem Road, Fayetteville. Hey, free food, free conversations. Make sure you show up and make sure you follow them on social media as well. If you have any questions, you can follow up there through social media as well. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of the episode this week. Thank you all for listening. And just make sure that you continue supporting great organizations like Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition that are doing the work on the ground. Thank you all for listening. Catch you all next week.